When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It's Wednesday, November 17th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, we've arrived at Andres Jimenez Day on our rundown of the uh, Cleveland 40-man roster. We'll, uh, we'll get to Andres in a minute. I uh, wanted to take a few seconds here to uh, mention a couple of the awards, the BBWAA awards that were announced uh, earlier this week, Monday and Tuesday nights. Uh, Monday nights, we had the uh, Jackie Robinson Rookie of the Year Awards uh, awarded in the American National Leagues. Uh, Randy Rosarina from Tampa Bay and Jonathan India from Cincinnati take home those awards. Uh, I don't think there were a lot of surprises there. I, I think a lot of people had uh, both of those guys heavily favored to win win the awards, especially once the, the finalists uh, were announced. Uh, just uh, a guy who, you know, maybe a Rosarina, we were really familiar with him from the, the playoff run to the World Series the year before. Uh, did I'm, I'm surprised that, you know, people, hey, Randy Rosarina might not have even been the, the best rookie on his own team, <laughs> considering what Wander Franco <laughs> was able to do. Uh, any surprise that he was able to come through and, and win that award? You know, I think the carryover was from the, from the postseason, you know, two postseasons ago was so strong. He was so you know, dominant. And, uh, uh, that, that certainly helped him coming into this season. And, you know, he, he wasn't, he wasn't the, uh, the beast everyone thought he'd be, I don't think, but he was still pretty effective, Joe. Uh, you know, he, he kind of hit all over the, uh, Tampa Bay's lineup, uh, did a nice job for him, but mostly, you know, he, he, he was kind of a leadoff hitter there and he really set the tone for that offense. So, you know, a, a little bit of surprise, but not not a big one. And we got to see a little bit of Jonathan India uh, in, in, when the when Cleveland faced the Reds a couple of times this year. Uh, looks like a, a, a solid player at, at second base, an infielder, and uh, just uh, an all-around fit there for the Reds and what they're trying to build uh, moving forward. Yeah, you know, uh, just like that, that's a good way of saying it. Just a solid player. What, he hit around 260 for the season? He's what the eighth, eighth Cincinnati player to win the wow. win the NL Rookie of the Year. I mean, so he's in he's in very good company, guy with guys like Johnny Bench and Pete Rose. Uh, so uh, you know, but a solid guy, a solid player, and you know, I, uh, he played really good defense too for 
for for the Reds. So that that he's a nice addition to their club. Any any surprise in the American League that a guy like a Ryan Mountcastle didn't get more of a a, a consideration? And uh, we found out that at least uh, at least one uh, BBWAA member out there thought uh, uh, Emmanuel Class A was worthy of a, a first place vote. Yeah, Emmanuel Class A, you know, finished a strong fifth place. What a, a first place vote and two second place votes. And the ironic thing is, Joe, the Cleve, the two Cleveland voters who voted on the uh, rookie of the year didn't he didn't make their ballots you know right. so if, if one of those guys had voted for him who knows maybe second or third place vote he might have finished in the top three uh but uh yeah bruce levan uh was a guy from chicago who who voted um who voted class a as as you know the rookie of the year gave him the first place vote so that was uh, surprising and uh you know sometimes uh I think maybe you take for granted what what is what you're seeing every day, you know. So you have to be on the outside looking in. Yeah, you know, 400 and some pitches that exceeded 100 miles an hour uh, this year, uh, the most in the big leagues for Emmanuel Classe. Eh, if you've seen one 100 mile an hour pitch, you've seen them all, right? Uh, I, I don't know, yeah. uh, and, and I don't hold it against uh, either of our our fellow voters here uh, for for not. I, obviously, there were uh, other considerations. Uh, that they that they had uh, the the guys that they voted, I believe, uh, Adolis Garcia was on both of their ballots, and, and you know he certainly tore up the Indians when he was here in Cleveland. So, yeah, uh, but Class A should be should be proud of of you know at least leaving an impression on a on a White Sox voter who who saw him enough times this year to say, yeah, this guy's pretty good. Yeah, so that, that was a good uh, good showing by. Uh... By Class A, and uh, you know, in the past, uh, winning the Rookie of the Year has kind of been, you know, it, it's almost a good thing when an Indians player doesn't win the Rookie of the Year. Uh, I can think back of uh, Kenny Lofton finishing second, mm -hmm. and Manny uh, Manny Ramirez finishing second. Well, Manny Ramirez was robbed. Both of those both of those instances, they were robbed. Yeah, and in both, you know, in both cases, the guy that won it in front of him kind of faded, and Manny and and uh, Kenny Lofton had, you know, Hall of Fame careers are pretty nice, pretty darn close to Hall of Fame careers. Uh, Pat Listash and Bob Hamlin. Yeah, maybe? good, good call. That's so. yeah. That was a oh, are you kidding me? I was traumatized. <laughs> There's no way I'm forgetting those. That's that. That's just awful. No, Pat Listash, not a chance. He was better than Kenny Lofton his rookie year. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Manager of the Year voting. Uh, in the uh, National League, I think pretty obvious one in uh, uh, Gabe Kapler. He, he in a, a season where the the Giants might not have necessarily been expected to do a lot, he took them to the best record in baseball. Yeah, 107 wins. You know, kind of uh, got drummed out of Philadelphia, and uh, they kind of make us the, the Giants make a surprise. I mean, I was kind of surprised when they hired him as the manager and. Uh, he just did a great job. He, you know, they, and not, and like you said, Joe, with a roster that, you know, was kind of an aging roster, kind of a roster made up of, uh, you know, kind of loose ends. And uh, they, they, I mean, 107 game, 107 wins is 107 wins. And, you know, they, they played the Dodgers in a, in a great playoff series. So um, yeah, well-deserved for Gabe Kapp. Yeah, and I think Kapler's one of those managers, one of those younger sort of new wave type managers along the lines of an A.J. Hinch who, 
sort of uses the analytics, does things a different way. And I, I think it really catches on if you, if you, if you strike the right sort of chemistry with the, with the club, uh, he could be real successful. And he showed that this year. Uh, I voted, I was one of the, our two voters in the uh, Cleveland chapter for the American League Manager of the Year Award. Uh, my ballot read Scott Service uh, from Seattle as my first place vote, uh, Dusty Baker in Houston as my second place vote, and the winner, uh, Kevin Cash, got my third place vote. Uh, it's Cash's second uh, consecutive Manager of the Year Award. Uh, I thought, you know, more than anything, the Manager of the Year Award to me is one where you you can be a little more flexible and reward a guy for, you know, maybe doing the unexpected as opposed to just being the very best. I, I thought Cash basically took uh, the same roster and, and, you know, just sort of stayed the course from what he did in uh, 2020. So, you know, I, I, I gave my vote to service because, you know, Scott Service might not <laughs> be able to repeat that success next year. And I thought you'd, you'd recognize him for, uh, for doing just that. Uh, but Cash, certainly deserving of the award, uh, you know, had the, the Rays playing at the top of the American League East all season long. And, and really, uh, what he's been able to accomplish since leaving Cleveland and going to Tampa Bay uh, is pretty remarkable. Yeah, you know, two straight uh, Manager of the Year awards. Took him to the World Series two years ago. Led him to 100 wins this year. Uh, just, yeah, he's done, he's done a really, uh, Kevin Cash has done a really nice job, uh, in Tampa Bay and he, they've done it a different way. You know, they've done it their way and kind of revolutionized, helped, uh, or hurt, depending on how you, th you value starting pitching, they've kind of turned the game upside down. So, uh, and they've been successful doing it. Yeah, it's their, their defunding starting pitching is what they're doing is <laughs> from, from the top on down. Uh, let's, uh, let's transition here and get into our, uh, conversation of the day on Andres Jimenez. Of course, Jimenez came over in the off season, uh, you know, uh, a little, a little over a year ago or from New York, uh, from the Mets in the Francisco Lindor trade came over with Ahmed Rosario and looked like he was going to be the new fangled, uh, Shortstop for the future uh, in, in Cleveland, uh, won the job out of spring training and then just decided not to hit once he arrived uh, here in Cleveland in April, uh, eventually sent back down to uh, AAA and, and spent some time in Columbus where he showed a little bit of power, a little bit of pop down there uh, and, and returned a couple months later and, you know, had a sort of an up and down run after that, after uh, the final two months of the season where he was, they, they just sort of committed to playing him and, and seeing what they had in him. Yeah, Joe, uh, much better second half than, than the first half. Um, you know, he hit 179 in the first half, uh, got sent down in May. When he came back, he had 245 after the all-star break. Um, you know, kind of an interesting guy. Is he a shortstop? Is he a second baseman? He's, you know, one of the, stockpiled uh, middle infielders that the Indians have gathered. Um, to me, you know, this is a guy that um, still has to improve his on-base percentage. Um, he's, you know, only 282 on-base percentage. If you're going to be a middle infielder 
and you're, you know, you're not going to hit, you know, 30 home runs. You better get on base a lot more than he does. A lot of, a lot of swing and miss with him. Uh, but like you said, Joe, he, when they sent him down and I guess we got to remember, he's only what, 23. He just turned 23 a couple months ago. Yeah. So we, you know, still a young player. Uh, and then when he did get sent to Columbus, he had 287, 13 doubles, 10 homers, 31 RBIs. So there is some pop there it, when the Indians are just hoping that it trans, you know, it, it makes a translation to the big leagues. Right. And, and, and really that's, that might be again, that, that same old thing we keep going back to with these young players is that that, uh, that final step of development might be at the major league level because uh, it appears to us that that Jimenez really has, you know, done everything he needs to do at the AAA level to prove that he's he's ready. Uh, it's just can you can you make the adjustments once you're up in the big leagues and and adjust to what the pitchers are trying to do to you. Uh, it it was pretty obvious at times that he was overwhelmed at the plate earlier in the year. He he was he wild swing and miss. His whiff was was really high. It was tremendously high uh, during the season, during the first part of the season. And that did change when he went back down. It did change. He made adjustments when he was in AAA. And, and that's when his power numbers increased because he's, he will be able to hit the ball out of the park. Uh, once he starts making consistent contact, uh, it's just a, a matter of, you know, knowing what's coming. Uh, defensively, he's, I, I don't think there's any question. He's probably the the most major league ready shortstop that the Indians uh, that Cleveland has in the organization. He's at the top of the list defensively right now. Uh, that could change. That could, you know, uh, uh, guys like Gabriel Arias, Brian Rocchio, they could, they could, you know, pass him eventually, but right now for, for what they have, uh, he's a better defensive shortstop, a better option at de on defense than Ahmed Rosario. You just can't take Ahmed Rosario out of the lineup. Yeah, his, uh, you know, with the baseball savant, his uh, outs above average were four at shortstop and a minus one at second base for last season. So, you know, we've seen him make some nice plays. We haven't seen him make the, spe the spectacular play that, that a lot of shortstops make, but he's solid, you know, solid uh, defender, Got a, has a good arm. Um, so I, I don't think defense is going to be his problem. He's going to, you know, he's got to have to find a, he's going to have to hit his way into the lineup and find a spot in the lineup with his bat right now. I think. Right. Uh, you mentioned outs above average. He ranks in the 82nd percentile uh, in, in major league baseball. Uh, and the, the other, some of the other things that he does well uh, where he succeeded uh, so far at the major league level, uh, his sprint speed, 93rd percentile. So, uh, when he gets it going on the bases, he's he's hard to catch. And we did see a couple of games there where he hit the ball out of the park. His his maximum exit velocity ranks in the 72nd percentile. That's above league average. And and he came to Cleveland with a, a, a pretty high hard hit percentage after playing, after winning the shortstop job in, in New York from the Mets. So, you know, we knew that that there was some sort of, you know, pop there. It just hadn't manifested itself yet. Yeah. And you, like you, you mentioned, Joe, the, the, you, you have to like the speed, you know, if he gets on base, he's, he's a, he's a stolen base threat. He was 11 for 11 last year. He didn't get caught once. I don't think uh, if, if I'm reading the stats, right. You know, and um, 
and you know the, the thing that concerned me is he hit 263 with the with the Mets you know two years ago mm-hmm. uh, uh, before the trade then he, he so he comes over to the, to the Indians or Cleveland uh, he hits 218 for the season so that's a you know a significant drop I don't know if it you know if it had to do with the cold weather in April if it had to changing leagues facing a new set of pitchers uh, or maybe just, you know, maybe putting a little extra pressure on yourself because you were the guy replacing Francisco Lindor. Was, were you surprised that coming out of spring training, Tito made the decision to go with him? That's, that's not usually uh, a, a typical Tito move there to, to, to take a, a young guy who, who had only, you know, a certain number of uh, games as a rookie under his belt. Uh, he, he was really – Tito tends to not keep those young players with the club early and just sort of ease them in, break them in after a little little period down with the the, the AAA club. Were, were you surprised that, that Jimenez made the club out of spring training and uh, that Tito kept him is basically the answer? Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, they made that decision right after the trade that Jimenez was going to be the shortstop. It just seemed to me because – you know, early in spring training, he was kind of, he was getting all the reps there. He was getting, you know, he, it was, it was plain to see that he was going to be the starter and Rosario was kind of, okay, you're the floater now. And he floated out to center field and uh, give him credit for making that transition. But eventually, you know, he, in May, when uh, uh, Jimenez got sent down, uh, Rosario was a guy and stepped in there and really took, took control of that position. Do we expect in 2022 training camp to see Jimenez at the the head of the pack there, uh, getting opportunities at, at shortstop? You know, problem, second base will always be there, I guess, if if, if they want him there. But uh, you've got the guys that I've already mentioned. You've got Rosario, and then you've got Gabriel Arias, Brian Rocchio, the Tyler Freeman if he's healthy. These are all guys who are going to be on the 40 man roster. Uh, what do you think his chances are of even being in the competition right now at, at shortstop in, as we head into spring training? Yeah, I think we've got to wait to Joe a little bit just to see, you know, what moves they make, who, who's here on, who's, who reports to a good year in February, who doesn't. But uh, to me, I think he's a second baseman. If, if they, you know, if, if Rosario is, you know, as they said at the end of spring, at the end of the regular season, He's, he's the first guy in line at shortstop. If, if that situation doesn't change, I think, uh, you know, Jimenez, is, uh, Jimenez is, is the second baseman. For maybe, I mean, he's going to be one of the top candidates for that second base job. Yeah, I guess the answer to that question, we'll, we'll have it by 6 o'clock on Friday when yeah. uh, the 40-man roster moves are, are made. And who knows, there might be a trade uh, or two before that. You know, we've seen some signings already in, in this free agent period. So, you know, who knows what activity is going on behind the scenes after last week's general manager's meeting. Uh, we might be looking at uh, a big trade coming up prior to that roster uh, finalizing and, and knowing who, who the guys are heading into camp. Once we get that, that final 40-man roster, we'll know, okay, these guys are going to be the ones who are going to compete for first base. These guys are the ones who are going to compete for shortstop, you know, and maybe there's only one or two who are, are looking to be in line at second base. And that's his opportunity to play every day. 
Yeah, definitely. I, and they've got so many guys there. I mean, like you, you rattled off those names. I mean, uh, a lot of candidates. It's going to be fun to watch in spring training. A lot of, a lot of competition there. And uh, they're going to have to sort these guys out. And, uh, you know, only two guys can play in the middle of the diamond at, the, at one time. So we'll have to see, uh, you know, who, who emerges from that, from that group. But Jimenez certainly has a chance, I think, definitely to be in the running there. And, you know, when he went down, Joe, to Columbus, he kind of changed his swing, like you said, kind of abbreviated that leg kick. Uh, and uh, they, that seemed to help him when he came back up. He, you know, he's still, uh, you know, he had a good uh, September. You know, that was, September was his best month of the season. Hit 271 uh, in 23 games, three home runs, nine RBIs. So uh, you could tell he kind of relaxed and kind of fit in better with, with the, with the club. And I think like you said earlier, you know, they, they wanted to look at him. They were giving him a chance to play every day. Well, and, and he was one of those guys who I, I like to say at the end of the season, if the, the regular season were extended by one more month, I think he would have definitely benefited by, you know, he had found that comfort zone and was, was like you said, a productive hitter in the the second half of the, or the, in his second stint up here. Uh, in that final month of the season, I think he would have benefited by, you know, maybe, you know, 50 more at bats or so just in the major leagues. Uh, but we'll see when he, he arrives in spring training, what does Jimenez need to do or what would a successful 2022 look like for Andres Jimenez? I think he's got to improve, get on base more, Joe, if he's going to hit at the top of the lineup or at the bottom of the lineup, you know, this guy's got to get on base. He had a 282 on base percentage. That's not going to cut it. You know, you got to have, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're going to be a hitter, like in, in his mold, I would think you've got to be at 330, 335, just to, you know, to get your nose above water. Uh, struck out 29% of the time. And is it bats way too much? Uh, so, I, you know, this is a guy that I think has to set the table. And I'm pretty sure he knows that. Wherever he, you know, wherever he's hitting, you know, his speed can come into play at the bottom of the lineup or the top of the lineup. So he's got a chance here. And uh, Francona likes those kind of players, but uh, you know, he's going to have to improve offensively. Just, uh, hit, you know, become more of an on-base threat. All right. Just to wrap it up, we didn't mention his uh, his contract situation. Not eligible for arbitration until uh, the 2024 season. So first time he'd be eligible to be a free agent. 2027 Cleveland will have control over him basically for as long as they want it uh, over the next, you know, four or five years. All right. Hoinsey, that'll wrap up Andres Jimenez. Uh, we'll look forward to tomorrow's uh, discussion on, uh, I believe we're going to talk a little Oscar Mercado here on the Cleveland baseball talk podcast. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with you then. All right, Joe. 